Hey folks, welcome back to the Unsung Podcast. I am, of course, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by my two favourite death metal heads. Oh, wow. He's MF. Yeah. Eh. MF, Mark, MF Mark Fraser. <laughs> and then I could be his DJ. DJ. <laughs> yeah, I could be. And then you're just um, you're just copied into emails, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I I am literally CC. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm st- even my fucking wine is white. So uh, yeah, I've got no business in this podcast tonight. We made it another week, guys. You saw that happen? Yeah, what what happened? <laughs> just sat here for a week, did nothing. Remember when you didn't you used to wonder what would happen? I just assumed it would just take care of itself. Right? <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to getting back out into the world. That's going to happen. A few a few positive now. Shit's going to come down. I mean, not in England, but everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, if you're listening to this in England, it's nice knowing you. I liked Bristol and Brighton, at least. Um, Manchester's good. Manchester's a nice city. Nah, st- I don't know, that football culture, man, it really rubs me up the wrong way. It's all Lambos. It's all fucking, like, everybody standing around the Lambo. Who's this? Oh, he plays for, like, I don't know, Rochdale or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what kills me, by the way. See, see if, like, if, if Neymar rolls up in a Lamborghini, you're like, right, it's Neymar. So yeah. what? But see when people from, like, second division teams start rolling up in fucking Lambos? <laughs> football football needs to end. I think it's it's had its day. This is this is nothing to do with the fact that my own team Celtic are fucking dreadful and I've had I've had like the season from hell. They've had the season so bad that somebody at some point's gonna make a really compelling documentary about it. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think just it's time to just call time on football. Yeah, just just bin it. I mean it pretty much is because it's crowdless now and they're just fulfilling <laughs> fixtures, it is like you're just watching two businesses play each other. You might as well yeah. just you know <laughs> Yeah. Let's put some bank accounts in a spreadsheet And have them play Pac-Man Might that, as well watch that <laughs> That is it, yeah And the guys that you're watching do it Are all, you know, the sort of equivalent Of a uh, venture capitalist multi-millionaires You know, they're just so fabulously fucking rich And they've all got going concerns And businesses and fashion fucking brands and stuff It's just, it's so hard to relate, isn't it? Yeah, we might as well just watch Elon Musk playing solitaire Fuck It's got yeah. about the sort of same sort of He'd probably he'd probably find a way to do that. Mad though, <laughs> <laughs> like there'd, there'd be something wrong with it. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know how big a fan I am of Manchester. I do like it. I've got friends there who I like a lot, but that's despite their city a wee bit. Um, they'll punch me in the face so the next time they see me. Luckily, the virus is keeping us apart. <laughs> can't reach you <laughs> and apparently it affects your memory a wee bit so hopefully if they get sick and they're English so let's face it they're gonna uh, the, the the bit of them that it damages is their memory and they don't remember me slagging Manchester hope they're listening that'd be nice if you're listening right in <laughs> bit of gallows humour for a Monday before the virus well, takes you a, fr- a Friday if you're a sub but you know speaking of um, subs by the way holy shit can we get Speaking of subs, can we get some air? Can we get more? Yeah. <laughs> Remember <laughs> that thing that we, that we occasionally do? Um, yeah, we've got some cool stuff on Patreon, so go and check it out. Unsung, uh, patreon.com forward slash unsungpod. Lots of cool tiers you can get involved. We're, uh, we're about to make a, a custom t-shirt from someone and I, for someone, and I heard that um, the album that he's picked has got three babies on the front, so that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's an easy one to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some good stuff in those tiers. There's there's custom designed and printed shirts. Uh, there are playlists at the very low end. There's uh, we choose you an anthem, and if we get enough of them, we'll give a wee anthem shout out at the start of one of the episodes. What mm-hmm. else have we got? An Abbey episode uh, is definitely coming at some point mm-hmm. in the next month or so. 
uh, an ABBA episode as a result of new subs. It also, I mean, if you if you're a real baller, a high roller, you get to choose the subject for one episode. And if you're a real high roller, we're talking like a Rumford type high roller, then uh, we will uh, let you come on an episode. Yeah, and we've done that twice, and it worked well both times actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you're the good. highest of high rollers, if you're Donald Trump rich, then uh... <laughs> that's not very rich. Let's, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just let's nip that in the bud right now. Uh, if you're Elon Musk rich, <laughs> we will come. Or, we will come yeah. to do a podcast in the same room as you when when it's socially acceptable, which may be 2023 if you have that much money. <laughs> It'll be worth it. Um, yeah, subs would be nice. Please, we're, we're we're doing quite a lot of work in this. Uh, so give us like just a couple of quid. Mm. That's so fucking oh, it's so demeaning just saying yes. that, isn't it? Yes. I'm gonna have to edit my voice saying that, and I probably I'll just I'll make a loop of it from my phone, and in the morning my alarm will go off at eight a.m. every morning. Skis a couple of quid. Skis <laughs> a couple of quid. Just skis a couple of quid. I do have one other thing I want to say, and it's that we are creening very quickly towards a hundred thousand downloads, which is fucking crazy. Um, so if you don't have any money or you don't want to give us money, then please tell a friend, tag us in something, you know, um, that's also very nice too. <laughs> 100,000 downloads and the podcast probably buys us a piece and a coffee. Uh, you know. <laughs> we are really poor at converting the ratio of listeners to... to now, now a piece uh, is Scottish for a sandwich. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Not American yeah. for a handgun. <laughs> yeah. We haven't bought any I mean, be, out of the proceeds. It, it, it would be nice. I mean, that could be our objective. If you can subscribe to Unsung Podcast so that we can go from buying a Geely piece to a loaded piece, then we, we'd really be making it mm-hmm. at, that, at that stage. And we'd be equipped for the next four years. <laughs> Independent downfall society, you mean? General. Yeah. <laughs> Talking uh, uh, white supremacy, why don't we get three white guys to talk about MF2? Again? <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks in a row. What's that all about? Um, I guess, you know, 2010 was when he wasn't allowed back in his home country. Moved to yeah. London, away from his uh, family, his three kids and his wife for two years. You know, so, must be pretty fucking weird. And I guess that's also when people started catching up with him and his influence. That's when Tom York starts talking about him and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 2013, they, they did stuff together, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's quite, it's quite interesting because the key to the cuffs, he did that, obviously, in London and the, the other guy. <laughs> Catch a throat full from the fire vocal with ash and molten glass like I am John Lotoko. The volcano out of Iceland. He'll conquer and destroy the rap world like the white man. Learned from a pro as a mentor. Started with a bird nest and burnt it to a center. That's the first time the fucking Guardian really switched on to him, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when you know, oh, it's over now. Oh, fuck. That's what I was going to say. Like, It's weird because people are catching up with him because Damon Albarn's on this record. Beth Gibbons is on this album. Um, Dave C. Tech, the producer, big producer, he does a remix. Uh, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood does a re- do a remix as well of songs from this album. Splendor's plenty fun. Left many strong. Let's under 21. I had your third eye cry. Your side blown, ride on. Got to sign the guide stone. Yours truly, all caps tone. Swim if you gloomy, or boom to your tune. Governor, which is the only song MF Doom is on, as credited as featuring MF Doom, which is weird, even though he raps over pretty much most of the album. You need land for murder Indians and represent them. Gold is up, urging all thugs. Trading y'all change for cash, splurging on drugs. A more secure investment. Food and water, a couple of gallons for your cutest daughter, and thank him as a Yankee fellow southerner.
Tom York said that was the single of the year in 2012. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think it's fine. Um, it's cool to hear him. It's cool to hear him do, like, sort of rapping over something more modern. The beats, the, all the beats are quite electronic and kind of filthy feeling. It feels really modern. And the, the song with Beth Gibbs on it, she does like this kind of ghostly kind of spectral vocal. Um, mm-hmm. on a song called GMO with almost kind of LP style synths in it it's actually pretty cool um, I, yeah I read I read that he got quite heavily sort of uh, f- I would say infatuated but he was he was very um, preoccupied with sort of diets and GMO genetically modified crops and all the kind of like the Neil Young shtick you know the mm-hmm. Monsanto kind of stuff I, I believe that became quite prominent in some of his later work yeah, can I just say though I do wonder where that would have led him because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a weird one that one it's right in the cusp because along with that kind of understandable concern about some of these giant agricultural and pharmaceutical companies there's also like a fair bit of like pseudoscience um, I mean even just with regards to GMO you know the, 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 the amount of actual proper science showing any real dangers for GMOs is pretty small and so I think like it would be interesting to see where in terms of narrative I, I don't know where he finished but that, that, that can be a slippery slope that one yeah um, it's what actually I know Dave before before, uh, before we talked about uh, the JJ Jim stuff you mentioned them you know obviously um, not getting back into the UK not, not get back into the US not to stay in the UK it's because they're on a European tour and this is when he kind of started to send imposters out on stage instead of playing as himself and they would just lip sync over over what he was saying this uh, is literally the first thing I knew about MF Doom yeah. was, was that we were actually offered an opportunity to book him at one point for an event we were, we were putting on and one of my, my fellow organisers refused point blank because he at that stage had too much of a reputation for sending imposters uh, in his stead and literally like riots kicking off mm-hmm. in, in the venues venues getting smashed up it was just uh, like video leaking out you know people claiming it was deliberate on the part of the bookers but they knew fuck all about it they yep. were just taking it at face value pardon the pun he um, was, he's actually he actually came out and said not long after it probably um, kind of well, one thing he's often been accused of actually before a I'll go back to that point I just I was just going to make there but one thing he's often been accused of is that he uses the mask and the persona to kind of shield himself as a person from criticism so he can get away with saying what he wants in the songs and all that kind of shit I don't know mm-hmm. how true that is but I kind of started to think part, it may be partly true when he said that after this started to come out the people were raging about the fact it was him he was kind of taken aback he was like I never said this music was about the person that's performing it or about me. It's about a character and anybody can play that character. I'll send a Chinese guy. I'll send a Blue Man group next. I'll send a white guy if I want to. I'm the director. I'm the writer. That whoever's performing the music doesn't have to be me. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, don't know, I don't know if I really buy into that too much, to be no, honest. No, so my limited experience with it is that there's unfortunately a lot of like shysters and middlemen in certain areas uh, the hip hop scene booking wise and I think there's a lot of guys just seeing what they can get away with um, certainly for, for booking it they, they take a lot more liberties or some of the acts take a lot more liberties uh, and their agents do um, and yeah I, I think there's a little bit of a disingenuity in there and you know I think he yeah okay it is consistent with the villain thing it is consistent with the revenge on the industry thing um, it's also extremely convenient for him 
to be able to, you know, because he will be taking a heavy percentage, no matter who it is that goes and performs. You know, Doom's not waving that fee because he wasn't there. Doom and his agent are taking a huge slice. It's a bit of a racket, especially when you can then book multiple events in multiple places within small spaces of time. But then um, you come down to, like, the sort of Damien Hurst uh, sort of theory of art, you know, just because something is a comment on consumerism or, you know, can make money because it's a comment on it doesn't mean that it's not art still. Yeah, that it's not still making a valid comment. I get that, but I think it's a double-edged sword. You know, there's that moment where we talked about people projecting too much of their own opinions onto MF Doom's lyrics and his music. I think you can project too much of the, like, high concept onto the fact that he found a loophole given the mask shtick that actually was quite lucrative mm-hmm. and low rent you know and I think that part of it you know it, it, it purely com- with no way of knowing definitively unless somebody comes out and really shows like a bunch of correspondence but I, I would tend to think that it was probably a convenient line to take um, I don't I don't dig it really I think uh, if you're a fan I, I've seen various uh, commentators and and people that really admire him, by the way, like 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 celebrity MCs and celebrity like artists and producers that were big fans of him, come down on either side of this. Some folks saying they think it's fucking quality patter, great stuff, really funny, you know, fuck the system. And then other people coming down saying that's just not fucking decent, man. Some of the people in those those crowds spent their entire paycheck just to be there to see this person they've admired their whole fucking life, and he doesn't show up. And he just sits at home, smoking a joint, taking fucking 50% of the fee, probably a lot more actually. And it's just, I, I can totally, I can, I can see both sides of that and I think I fall on the side that's like, look man, I get that you're trying to make a statement. Make your statement at the VMA Awards, make your statement at fucking, I don't know, some big event, if you ever get asked to do a big event or some corporate thing. Don't make your statement at the expense of punters mm-hmm. at an everyday show. That's not, in my opinion an appropriate way to make that statement um, so one thing that, that that kind of struck me about that is it's, it's also an incredible amount of expense to go to because he was he was touring with a lighting rig and DJ and you know there'll be merch there'll be a crew as well you're sending all that out in the road without him ah, but did that all the, I mean the, I mean Dave will Dave will testify to this as well I mean the, the crew yeah the crew will probably travel but the rest of the stuff will be hired by the promoter at the promoter's expense like you'll get like a you'll you, you get a rider a tech rider it'll say we need this lighting setup. we need these decks we need this on stage we need this this and this that, that, that's just how it rolls it's it's part of the, the, the fee so they'll just they'll just roll into town as a group they'll probably keep him hidden under a fucking towel so you don't know it's not him you know what I mean it's just it's it's pretty cynical there was actually some shows in America where he was where the, they found out as an imposter booed him off stage and he came back on because he was with the touring he was with them and he yeah, see, that's stage kind himself. of more interesting <laughs> and in fact that's the, more yeah. the DJ um, and producer Sophie they I think it was back in like 2013 or 2014 just as that whole like PC music thing was kicking off did a big performance I'm not sure if it was at South By or it was in London but they did like a it was like a big DJ set and nobody quite knew who Sophie was and was it a guy was it a girl it just so happens uh, that they were male at the time but have since uh, become female but everybody was kind of baffled and Sophie went on stage except it wasn't Sophie it was like a hired bodybuilder that DJed mm-hmm. the set but Sophie they just were next to the stage watching as a punter 
and it was kind of a comment on you know the ludicrousness of these sort of weird DJ sets and the fact that they just press play and yeah yeah and um, I mean yeah, if, I if that, that's what it was the fact that you're making thing. the effort to be there and it is part of the show that makes more I'm sense curious- Curious about the logistics, though. I thought we said we were at the point where he wasn't allowed back into the US. So, oh, the, so he started they... he started touring the Born Like This album in America, and he'd done, he'd done some shows in America where he was there. So he was allowed back into the US. No, no before, he hadn't left before, yet. before he left to go to Europe. This is in two thousand and nine, right? So at the shows before he left to go to Europe, he sent out a fake doom, but was at the shows, mm-hmm. and he came out to defuse the trouble. Mm-hmm. But then he decided to proceed with it for the next fucking eight years. Well, he didn't do a lot of live shows, but yeah, that seems to be the case. But I mean, it, it actually happened more recently as well at a show with Flying Lotus, and that was Hannibal Buress that was under the mask, uh, and that was the part of the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Nobody I, knows if I, Doom is actually a part of that or not. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely at very, very best ambivalent on on the the joke. Mm. I mean, I don't really think very much of it as a as a as a stunt personally. Doesn't doesn't really sit well with me. I think it, I think it really but. depends on the context. I can see that I can see the merits of it, but I think it depends on the context. And if it's to punters, if it's to a bunch of people that saved up and probably travelled, fucking. I mean, think about MF Doom. He's got such a dedicated fan base. People would travel for fucking hours and hours and hours to go and see that guy, mm-hmm. and and to then get there and feel shot on by somebody that you you you, you were so dedicated to. I think that's pish, really. After all that nonsense, he did a collaboration album with Bishop Nero called Nuruvian Doom. With the mic, giving advice, plans and giving my life to the game. They saying that I'm insane. Attention, I'm not paying. My vision and my brain are coming soon enough. I'm pursuing moving musical drug. The rap game newest plug. I got the fire, you'll be higher off a one hit. Others getting smothered. I came to cover them up. It's super dull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never got that into Bishop Nero. I like always heard good stuff, but yeah. So it's it's a uh, Bishop on the Bishop Nero on the on the vocals and Doom on the production and it's just kind of boring. You you kind of get the sense that after he, after that massive outpouring of creativity in the in the very late nineties and the sort of early to mid thousands that his, his, his output slowed down dramatically and his general quality of his output just wasn't as good either. The next notable thing he did was uh, the Caesar Face album. Or, sorry, Zarface. 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 Yeah. It's like it's like Scarface but Zarface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving bodies like a human trafficker What I'm stomping to Harder than an inmate on a conjugal Launching you with rocket fuel Live at the barbecue Rebel lion that's provided spark for you And I ain't even digging to my arsenal Don't take it personal You know the bitch Starface meets Metal Face Which is an album they did um, And it's fine It's got a real old school vibe But not too overdone on it I think it's got a couple of cool tracks. Captain Crunch is a cool song. It's got a kind of early 90s boom bap vibe that kind of harkens back to his KMD days, which is nice. And it's got a hook in the chorus. On a deep level, you see metal and sound off like a tea kettle. Slow the spot up lovely, with no reference to skin color. God don't like ugly. Wise man once said not to showboat. And treat the yacht the same way as a rowboat. There's also a song called Astral Traveling, which is... Can I, it's actually got like a weird 90s death row vibe. Money should have done the opposite of listen to you. I'm dissing you too. You do the shit a pigeon would do. Because being a rapper ain't something you fit to pursue. He missed him a goal. This blind dummy couldn't see the sentinel. My dick go in and out of holes like it's an exit wound. The left strong like the Bolsheviks and socialists. It's something you've never really, you've never really heard him put his vocals to before. 
and it feels quite aggressive as well with the kind of synth in the background. I like that one too. Know, after that, he just stops doing stuff. Um, he was supposed to do a, a collaboration album with Ghostface Killer called Doomstarks, which I spoke about. And Flying Lotus has came out and said more recently that he was actually working on a on a collaboration album with him as well. Mm-hmm. No idea if that'll ever see the light of day. And apparently, over the course of the however many years he was working on Mad Villainy too, which may get released this year. Well, that's the one that ju- that's the one that jumps out. Yeah, I mean it, that given that this album is head and shoulders and all the lists his top album and it seems to be the revered thing if they could if they had enough material to, to pull together a decent sequel it, I think it would go down a, a bomb a couple of songs had just been released for Grand Theft Auto Online like some I don't know some do oh, they yeah. do different heists every I don't know how the fuck it works yeah. I've never yeah. gone online it's too scary but it's, <laughs> one of them is a Flylo collab uh, it's called Lunch Break, and then the other one is with Bad, Bad, Not Good. Um, so they both came out in December, I think, after he died, but before anybody knew he died. Mm-hmm. Are they any good? Yeah, I really like the bad, bad, not good one. Flylo's pretty cool. Yeah, they're they're they are both pretty cool, actually. Fucking hell! Imagine the embargo and that shit. You're you're like at literally releasing a guy's music and his agents. Are, well, do you think the the company even knew he was dead? I think they. I don't think anybody it. knew. That's the thing. Mm. Mad. He did stuff on it. He's done. A, he's done a, obviously he's done a lot of other collabs on and off as well. They did. He's done one with Westside too. Um, he did one with uh, the Avalanches. <laughs> Yeah, that Frankie Sinatra with Danny Brown. Yeah, um, and he also Michael did. Jim. Yeah, I think you know. I thought was it in the Cocteau Twins episode? But it's a phenomenon we've spoken about before at length. Anyway, it's when the artists or when the the influencers start, the people that he's influenced start to catch up with, start to catch mm-hmm. up with the artist. Yeah. He kind of avoids that by not really doing very much on his own and just working with younger people and kind of lending his either his voice or his production skills to kind of elevating their talent mm-hmm. without actually doing anything. I mean, he hadn't released at this point. He hasn't released a, a proper solo album, and he obviously never will now. But he hadn't released one since two thousand and nine. He'd just been working with other people. Maybe he was aware of that fact. I don't know. Yeah, just, I mean, we were always talking about the phenomenon of like why don't artists just stop releasing music rather than tainting their legacy and maybe you know maybe that's a conscious decision he's like yeah maybe I, I don't feel relevant anymore in terms of putting out actual records but I still feel like I can contribute overall so you know fair play and I guess yeah. as a bad guy he probably he'd maybe also won maybe if it filled his purpose as well in a lot of ways you know he, he did did get revenge in the music industry no doubt he, I, don't, I don't think he was rich but he was probably pretty comfortable doing what he was doing yeah, and I think even in terms of how people saw him, you know, he went from being dropped by a label, not being specifically, you know, particularly well known in the early 90s, and then throughout his work over that decade became pretty legendary. Mm. Um, you know, he could probably retire and think, yeah, done done pretty well. Can move to that Tracy Island. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, Chris, you mentioned your favourite rapper's favourite rapper. If you're coming to this as somebody that isn't necessarily into hip-hop, 
then understanding just how influential he is is often a gateway to you know appreciate him you know everybody from Moss Def I bought Mad Villainy on vinyl and I didn't even have a record player at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> he just wanted to buy it so he could look at it and appreciate it um then you know like Childish Gambino he had a cool voice he was rapping about comics he was doing punchline rap way before anybody was doing it like there's a video of um, Tyler the Creator and Elle Sweatshirt side of stage uh, when they're on tour and then they manage to go and see MF Doom and they're like just fucking giddy school children and they're just like holy fuck I can't believe we're seeing him Danny Brown makes a really good like he's got quite a few good quotes about him and he says about Mad Villainy in particular he says I never knew that you could write an entire album without hooks and make it sound that good he (laughs) he broke the rules of songwriting then Open Mike Eagle who we've you know covered before his flow I have to be careful with his flow because his flow lives in my heart and my mind you know he's got to be conscious of just not copying MF and ripping off MF Doom all the time Um, and then you know everybody like Lupe Fiasco Nas and then even Drake got called out I think he put up a graphic on Instagram of MF Doom and he got called out by all the underground rappers saying oh you're just trying to act cool by liking MF Doom so Mm -hmm. the fact that MF Doom is like this badge of credibility but then Drake came out later and like he just did a bunch of Instagram stories of his favourite hip hop artists and MF Doom was like one of his ten you know so he's influenced everybody you know from the underground to Drake you know Mm -hmm. King Pedo (laughs) Yeah. Also, Yikes. something I wanted to kind of pick up on is he released his albums, uh, at least his solo albums, from Food onwards on uh, Rhymesayers Entertainment. Yeah. Which is the record label that's run by uh, Slug from Atmosphere or Atmosphere, I guess. Uh, he also appears on an Atmosphere song on their album The Fishing Blues, um, which is really, really good. We keep it flowing. Wrote this poem from a swollen place of deep knowing. We did sowing. They scared of the dark as night approaches. Until the time comes, some run like roaches. Stop, drop, pop a slug out the mag tag. Dug it out and brag. Hold on to your bug out bag. That's actually the first time I've properly heard him, believe it or not, which is weird. But ever since I've listened to his entire back catalogue, every single rapper that I like sound has got a bit of his his voice. And particularly Sage Francis, actually. Sage Francis, not only his flow is quite similar, but a lot of the production stuff that he, that he did, he takes yeah. a lot from that, a lot from that. Um, yeah, and Killer like Mike. I said, Killer Mike, yeah. LP too. Like, actually, yeah. LP sounds like him a lot. I think it's a New York thing too, but there's, there's straight up bits of, like, of flow that LP uses that would not sound out of place in an MF Doom record at all. Um, and he is, of course, uh, the Nexus for all of our hip-hop artists, every single person that we've done on this podcast has either worked with them directly or been sort of in the, the same orbit as people that have worked with them. Or, or even just, like, rapped over his beats as well. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Uh, the only person that I struggled to connect to him was DJ Shadow, because he started when when MF Doom was in the wilderness. Yeah. They didn't work together directly, but they'd certainly done shows and had uh, been had worked on the same albums with the same artist on different songs and stuff so he's touched everybody every single hip hop artist we've done and as they've said every single rapper you like is probably like MF Doom which brings us to Mad Villainy uh, yeah yeah we should talk about the actual record okay indeed Mad Villainy so this album came out but I think we can kind of agree that he never you know he never went mainstream he never, like yeah back in the 90s they were on a major record label but 
this is one of those ones where it's about the influence rather than you know the I think at a time when are. yeah when people around him were shifting mad units he was not yeah. yeah, you look at all those people that we've talked about being influenced, you know, Childish Gambino, Drake, uh, you know, JPEG Mafia, Most Def, they've all sold a lot more records than he did. Mm-hmm. And Madlib probably has as well, because he, he also worked with Jay Dilla. Uh, yeah, I guess we should maybe mention Madlib, seeing as he is a small the producer on this a album. A small <laughs> amount, you know, a small part of this record. Uh, yeah, so I, there's not. I, we kind of spoke a little bit ma- about Madlib and the JDL album, uh, the JDL episode. I don't really know what we can say about him because he's done a lot of work, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a very well-known producer uh, in hip hop circles. He's worked with everybody at all levels. Um, he's mostly well-known for this album and for working with JDL. He has worked on a spectacular number of records. Uh, both as a MC and as a producer and also soundtrack stuff too. Um, he's done 24 albums over the course of his career, um, which is quite a lot. And also, I don't know if you guys use the Headspace app um, for meditation, mm. but uh, I meditate... I have done. Meditate most days, right? But see if you go onto the website and, and look at... Uh, I don't know if it's on the app, but I've definitely used it on the website. They've got a section for focus music. Mm-hmm. And it's got a unique evolving recordings that last like over an hour. One from Hans Zimmer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one from Madlib. A completely original. <laughs> a one from a completely original. Forty-five f- minute thing. Hans Zimmer's a fucking hack. Yes. <laughs> He's a fucking hack. Honestly, like one of the worst films I've ever seen was uh, Wonder Woman '84, and his absolute gobshite nonsense at the start of it just made it all the worse. <laughs> Uh, so yeah Madlib very well regarded very well known uh, the story of this record goes that the guy that owned uh, the guy that owns Stone's Throw Records which is a label Madlib was on is on he asked one of his friends to give Doom some instrumentals from Madlib and Doom had never heard of either Madlib or Stone's Throw at the time three weeks later he called back and Doom said he loved it and wanted to work with him um, Wikipedia says one of Doom's quote unquote quasi managers made an offer asking for plane tickets to Los Angeles in $1,500 and the label didn't even have enough, enough money after buying the tickets but they just agreed anyway uh, and they kind of got together smoked a powder of weed done a ton of mushrooms and wrote this record together I mean why the fuck not yeah, great stuff it's a pretty good investment uh, a, lo- a lot of the beats or were made turn on your investment a lot of the beats were made when Madlib went in, was in Brazil a couple of years before and then him and him and Doom kind of worked on it and one of the songs actually got leaked online when they were working on it and then it, it caused them to take a 14 month sort of hiatus from the from recording and then they, why I don't know um, they just kind of ruined they, I kind of, they kind of felt that it ruined the light the vibe because they liked the album so much and they were just like oh I can't believe that's happened fuck it I'm done Madlib went fuck. and do something else and Doom went to do Doom stuff yeah I think they just got distracted because they kind of got pushed out of their vibe a little bit that's bollocks. Um, but they actually. <laughs> it was like, that, to, when does it's that? It's like ever when somebody happen? interrupts you trying to masturbate. You know. Oh God. Right. I'm just going to eat dinner then. I actually turned out for the best because uh, even though even though the leaked song was uh, was um was received really really well, Doom went away and re-recorded his whole vocals and the, the kind of more relaxed vibe that you have on this record was not the original take of it at all. I, yeah, I just, I I just don't see how that's something that happens. I I take Dave's point about getting caught chugging, but I mean, just in terms of. You know, a track leaks online, so you abandon the project for 14 months. That doesn't tally at all. That just sounds like Wikipedia bullshit. 
but they used the time to, to, to refine this album so I'm thinking whatever happened they did take time away from it because they had to release other things obviously Doom released two albums and Madlib went and worked with Jay Dilla and then they came back and started to work again on this and they changed it up and that seems to have worked in its benefit mm-hmm. people who have heard both the older versions and the newer ones they say that the, the change like really whatever happened in the interim period actually seemed to really help the songs that were already pretty good made them even better it also got the hype flowing a little bit because yeah, like, this was totally a did. highly anticipated record within the sort of underground hip hop mm-hmm. community. People also, were psyched for it. It's also a strange album, uh, just generally. It's it's twenty two tracks, but it's forty six minutes long. A lot of the tracks aren't even folk songs. Most of them don't have choruses. Little motifs and sketches, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But they're not they're not necessarily skits. Yeah, like they're not necessarily skits. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just more short parts of the record that sort of fit um, they're not just like throw away little bits yeah the way that I kind of looked at it and I guess we'll talk a little bit more about it and when we go through it but the way that I looked at it is that the instrumental songs are basically just Madlib being Madlib and showing off Madlib mm-hmm. whereas the songs with, with Doom on them are showing off how great Doom is with his flow a lot of the stuff that he recorded um, was written f- was basically freestyled in the sense that he wrote it down first taken and just went away and said that mm-hmm. Um and probably because he was high as fuck, and um, that's probably why I wrote it down. Um, but the, the, arrange, the arrangement of this record, all the samples are on it. There's a, there's a, you can see all the samples in Wikipedia. Won't fucking go through all of them, but there's a lot of really great shit in it, used in really interesting ways. Madlib plays a lot of drums on it as well. He does. He says he's, that he does beats, but apparently a lot of it was uh, live drums that were recorded and then mixed in. Uh, yeah, man, it's just a fucking really cool record. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's go through it. So it starts off with the Ellis Villains. Which starts which has got a really strange stereo pan at the start, which kinda makes you go, Whoa, fuck. Yeah. Well, that's my headphones broke. <laughs> it's a good it's a good headphone record actually. That is great, yeah. Um, Madlib's Madlib's being it's brilliant, man. It's kinda weird, kinda jazzy. It works yep. really, really well. It's got some really fun samples. You can actually tell Doom's had a hand in the production at some point because it's because of those samples. It's kind of cartoony kind of things. Obviously, it's just an intro, but it sets the scene quite well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then accordion. Dastardly and motley with sick laughter, a gunfight, and they come to cut the mix master. I C E Cole, nice to be old. Y two G S D twice to threefold. He sold scrolls, low and behold. Know who's the illest ever? Like the greatest story told. Yeah, it's got like this laid-back accordion sample, which like Doom also mentions as well. Mm-hmm. But it's got this big bubbly bass line, which I think is really sort of pre-Flying Lotus, that sort of uh, ninja tune vibe. It's really warm. Um, I, thought, I, tell, yeah. I, I, I saw a lot of people commenting on um, how this track in particular was really, really influential mm-hmm. on, on a lot of the styles that followed it, such as Flying Lotus, mm-hmm. Thundercat, people like that. It was like, a lot taken from this but this this tuning especially seems to have been a bit of a sort of enduring uh, bit of composition yeah I mean and Doom's Doom's rhymes as well are so good in that his delivery is very chill very laid back and you can totally see his wordplay on full effect so I know we've kind of spoken about it in the last episodes and this one as to what what we actually mean when we say he's a good lyricist or when he's clever Um, he does a lot of internal rhyming a lot of internal rhymes and he also plays about with the sounds of words to, to kind of make them rhyme as well 
Captain, is he still a fly guy clapping if nobody ain't hear it? And can they testify from in the spirit? And living the true gods, giving y'all nothing but the lick like two broads. Got more lyrics in the church, got ooh lords. And he hold the mic in your attention like... So it kind of come. It's not. It's, it's it's very very playful, and a lot of rappers, particularly in this time when you're getting fifty cents and all that kind of mainstream bullshit, they're just not doing this kind of thing. But he is, you know, he's totally on fire at this point in his career. He's like super prolific, and you can totally tell. It apparently didn't have much time to work in any of the songs because of how how little time they spent together in LA. But this is this was one of the first beats that he got from Madlib, and mm-hmm. a lot of the writing from it was just off the top of the head before they walked into the booth. Walked into the booth, um, so it feels a bit. It, it, it's got a, it's got obviously a through line, but it, it does feel a little bit freestyle as well, which is what I like about it. But see, for me, man, the thing I love about doing the, the most is 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 just the just the sounds that the syllable sounds, and the constants yeah. and assonance when he, he just the way he plays with them internally and bars is just oh I fucking love it, man. It's yeah, that's so, like so something that gets picked up a little bit because it's sort of flow conscious. He is telling stories, but it's not necessarily the story that's that important. It's more about like the shape of the word and how they sound on top of what they mean. Um, that's like really interesting. And like, yeah, he's verbose and wordy, but he's using those words as colours rather than you know telling the story necessarily. Yeah, he does. He does. He uh, does actually do a bit of storytelling on on this album as well. But he does both, and I like that. It's playful. Yeah. Um, the next song is Meat Grinder. It's got a nice little segue at the start, which kind of bridges the accordion and, and Meat Grinder together. And then it's got a bit with a mental trumpet trumpet sample and some vocal, which is actually from a Frank Zappa song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of drops into this kind of really dirty shuffling beat and a nice guitar part, which kind of gives the song its hook. Yeah, it's the production's actually it's kind of like DJ Shadow at his funkiest, that mm-hmm. sort of vibe, um, like that jazzy bass line. Yeah, and the sound of the per- percussion is like so subtle in the background, but it's fucking amazing. I love it. Yeah, and the and and this flow here, he talks about the insanity of MF Doom as a villain. But then talks about how his shoes are shite at the end of it, which is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> Got me reaching for those old tan Elise's. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, fuck. He's not that badass. Um, and you get Bistro, which is a wee interlude. You the finest to the final you day. Yeah. How do you do? 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. How do you do? How do you do? Live on the beats. We have the one and only Mad Live. How do you do? We also have and this is just uh, like introducing the guests that are about to appear. Yeah, Doom, real or yeah, Doom and Quasimodo <laughs> and Kingy Dora and Victor Vaughn. They're all on it. It's like it's just two guys, but there's like five people on it, yeah. <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, apparently, this is the, this is the one song they wrote after the leak. So after the album or after parts of the album had been leaked, this is one of the only songs. That they did release that they did afterwards. So again, the the benefit of kind of taking distance kind of made them kind of conceptualize it a bit better. Um, it's got a really fun beat as well. Uh, Raid works really well after this, I think. That piano riff that comes in just like works really well. 
It's actually more high energy, I think. Yeah, it's definitely it's the the most upbeat so far. It's got the it's got the cartoon samples, but they're really distorted and kind of chopped up by Madlib, which is cool. Um, yeah, this is where this is where Doom does some of his best character work, I think, throughout his entire career. He talks about the villainous nature of the character and how his bars are about like violence, but then he talks about how the metal fellow has been rapping since uh, New York license plates were yellow with blue writing, which is something that only happened in the the late seventies, the mid eighties to the mid eighties. So he's mm-hmm. aging his character. He's putting it in like a place right there, which is obviously much older than him, because he came up in the late eighties as as a as a an aware rapper, I suppose. Which is I thought that was really really interesting. Um, and it's got a guy called Emmy D on it who's got a decent verse, but it's just just not as clever as Doom. I don't think. Yeah. And then America's Most Blunted, which was released as a single. And it's just, it's just absurd. <laughs> well, I mean, it's truly about getting high. <laughs> it really, really is, yeah. Um, obviously, they were like high as fuck when they recorded it. Um, and a, a lot of people have done songs like this, man, right? So many rappers have written songs like this, but it just comes across so cheesy and poorly executed. And I think I think they do it quite well because Jim's pure deadpan. You know, and Mad Love's like the announcer, he's like the TV. TV host. <laughs> That's a good d- d- description. Of, yeah, I, for some reason I never thought of deadpan at all, but that is what MF Doom is a lot of the time. You know, there is humour there, but he's just pretending it's serious, but, you know, you know the humour is there. See the bit at the end where, they pronu- where he sort of pronounces marijuana and, and he, he sort of spells it out. Do you yeah. know he, spell- he spells it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> did he? I yeah, I that, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I did notice that. Marijuana. <laughs> Doesn't so- someone laugh as well after he does that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Think, yeah. yeah. Which is funny. Um, and if you're sick fit, which is another another little... Um, it's a proper, proper electronic interlude, which is just Madlib doing Madlib stuff. Really cool drum sample, and I like the sort of squelchy keyboard that he's got going on. It's really cool. Yeah, no, it is cool. These instrumentals, they definitely don't outstay their welcome, and you, you're kind of like, oh, you know what? I could definitely listen to a much longer version of that. Yeah, which totally. is you know great. Uh, and then Rainbow's next, right? It's just kind of a weird song. They must have been high as fuck when they wrote this because it's really dissonant sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and Doom is slurred like hell, and he's singing. Yeah, and he's it. he's not the best singer, but you know he's um he's going for it. <laughs> he does go for it. Uh, I, I read some people who are who you know if you go into rap genius, you can see like people's like annotations of the lyrics and stuff. Some people were saying that the reason he's slurring this is because he's maybe maybe Doom is just drunk Drano himself. Kind of funny, I suppose. Yeah. Um, 
it sounds a bit like something you'd get in Harvey Birdman with that those sort of sexy thriller TV show horns. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, but I dig it. Yeah, yeah I mean, because it's like about mental illness and drug addiction, and it's mm-hmm. it's still funny, but it's deadpan and it is serious as well. And then it's kind of got this narrative turnaround where you know he's talking about himself at the end. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, Carlos comes after that, and it's highlights one of the things that Doom does quite often throughout his career as well as he talks about himself in the third person so he raps about Doom as the character as Doom rapping as Doom it's just kind of strange breaking the fourth wall and narrating it it's quite a comic book thing um, it's kind of the song. Kind of feels like an origin story. If you look at the lyrics, he talks about how religion is used, how he used to, how his religion was, how he used to help steal for his family to get by, how he was really into drugs in his early life and all that, and some excellent pr- production on it too. I think. Yeah, totally. Really like that track. Uh, and then, do not fire another instrumental. comes quite quickly after the last one doesn't it yeah and I guess like Carl's is quite a short song as well so mm-hmm. yeah you're only like five minutes six minutes after the last instrumental maybe it's interesting to see if you look at the liner, uh, the liner notes you see that the people the inter- instrumentals are only credited to uh, Otis Jackson to Madlib the, the only every other song on that record is co-written with them apart from the instrumentals ah okay Money Folder was also released as a single Panic, can't understand it ban it the underhanded ran it, planned it, and left him stranded. The best, any who profess will be remanded. Yes, sir, request permission to be candid. Granted, I don't think we can handle a style so rancid. He flipped it like mad and did the old jazz standard. Yeah. That's, thing is, it's got a single feel, even though it's got a weird interlude in the middle. Aye, totally. I like the lyrics in it, man. He talks about making money, and there's actually a little bit of subtext to the song. Um, it's kind of about the, the value of music and the value of the, the monetary value that music has. And there's a few lines in it where he talks about how, he's, how his art has so much value that the amount of lyrics he's got, you basically have to break them down into different entities in order to actually like get everything out there. And that's exactly what he did. You don't know him. Mad how he expand work but won't show him. Poor guys, what a sight for old so four eyes. Now hook me with two apple pies and a small fries. All rise, so far odd as a ruble. So raw, break it down and make quadruple. It's crucial. You know, he did this, he did King Ghidorah, he did Victor Vaughn. It's quite quite self-referential, quite clever. And he says, he's got a really cool line in it where he talks about taking a swipe at the mainstream and saying if, even if he, if, he had, if he broke down all of his dense lyrics then he could probably make quadruple the amount of money that he's making right now. <laughs> Uh, then Shadows of Tomorrow Because once upon a time there was a yesterday Yesterday belongs to the dead Because the dead belongs to the past The past is yesterday Today is the preview of tomorrow But for me, only from a better and happier point of view A point of view was a thought of a better a trap Reality Oh man, Cosimoto rapping on here And Madlib yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what I think about this <laughs> <laughs> I like the production on this Yeah, um, apparently the, the, the lyrics are a son rap on yeah, that's something that, like, he was, we never quite touched on it, but he was always into, like, that sort of Afro-futurism thing, you know, and we talked about in terms of funk and stuff like that, but that's always been a, a slight theme that he went back to. Mm-hmm. Can I uh, put your mind at rest? Mm-hmm. That, that's that's definitely going to 
feature in the Nexus. Oh, oh it's on Ra. No, nice. I mean more so the Afro feature. Okay, cool, nice. I I don't like I, I don't like Quasimoto. I don't like the pitch shifted vocaloid that Madlib does for that man. I don't. Yeah. I, I just it really gets them, and I th- I know it's a poem, but it's nonsense. This is just complete fucking nonsense. <laughs> uh, I know he didn't write it, but still. Um, not a fan of that one. And then another another one's an instrumental, right? It's uh, Operation Lifesaver, aka Mint. No, it's not, sorry. It's not an instrumental. Get no, there's a little myself. bit. Yeah. Breathe out, then she made me cough hard. Contact the guard and let him know it's slip to him. Fine, and how are you doing? Can I get you a drink? This one's a shoeing. Awkward situation that I'm on a mission to ruin. Her big button smile was like camo. But it's yeah. only a minute. This is a short track, though. Yeah, it's just a song about a girl with bad breath. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, oh, God. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> 41 cover. Yeah. Uh, and then Figaro. Daddy, the flow make her fatty shake. Patty cake, patty cake for fake. If he wasn't need a baker's man, he'd take her for her masters. Hit it once and shake her hand. Once some old thank you, ma'am, and ghost her. She can mind the toaster if she signed the post. This is like one of the big, huge tracks. Yeah, I think it's probably one of my favorite. I think it is actually my favorite song on the album. To be honest, um, it's quite. Yeah, diff- it's up. It's up there with a uh, meat grinder for me. There's a lot of character work on this again for Doom. Talks about his backstory and how women love him and stuff like that. It's Doom for the mask and shit like that, which is quite fun, especially in the context of the of the character. Um, there's a really cool guitar bit looped in it, which kind of creeps around the background from Madlib, which really plays off of the ridiculousness of Doom's wordplay and all the double entendres that he's using. Um, and the rhyme pattern, see, see obviously we talk, talk, spoke about it earlier on, but his rhymes, the way that he, he sort of constructs his rhymes, this is a really great example as well of this song. Um, some crazy antenna rhyming that actually jumps across bars. It's kind of pulling them from different sections of the verse. It's fucking really clever, man. Yeah. Um, this is maybe my least favourite track. No poetical excerpt. Who's the expert? Wow. With the physical frame. Whose mental was tamed to get over in this musical game. When the mad villain breaks your dome, you'll see. Your interval depth was written for those that slept. We took a 100% unpredictable step. Yeah, Doom isn't even rapping. It's like a wild child. It's just, yeah, it's just, and it's just yeah. not like... I don't know why it's on there, to be honest. Yeah. It's not that interesting. It really isn't. But the next song's not bad. Who's the real thugs, killers, and gangsters? Set the revolution, let the things bust, and thank us. When the smoke clear and you can see the sky again, there will be the chopped off heads of Leviathan. My friend, you call them strangers. Anybody talk to them, end up... Hey, Strange Ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I like that track. Chris, do you know an SP-303? Um, it's like a discontinued boss uh, sort of sampler mach- drum machine sort of thing yeah I know what you mean the doctor sample yeah yeah cool nice wee gadget the kind of thing that Luigi would throw <laughs> me under a bus for <laughs> yeah totally and uh, yeah I think Strange Ways and then Rhinestone Cowboy were just Madlib producing this in a hotel room in Brazil uh, with his SP303 a record player and a cassette deck it's, so, it's cool. sort of um, it's sort of similar to uh, Jay Della using the MPC. Aye. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a similar vibe. It's quite minimalist, but there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of adaptability within those machines, and you can do some pretty wonderful things with them if you have enough time and enough weed <laughs> or uh, morphine or morphine, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or mushrooms. Uh, in Madlib's case as well, this song is actually the 
the most politically charged song on the album. It's actually got a message, which is weird. The first one's talking about the police force and how they use excessive force against you know gangsters mm-hmm. and all that. And the second one's about the Western military industrial complex, particularly around Israel and Palestine. Um, Good luck with it. Yeah, the, the whole thing is about, for me, I kind of look at it as how even the bad guys can make you think about the world in strange ways, so I'm not that bad a guy. <laughs> Then next up, Fancy Clown. This has been a place for you in my heart since we first met. A teenage love that didn't feel no hurt yet. My boys warned me you was poison like BBD first cassette. And still I put my chips on the worst bet. Gave up the skirt, now I got a hair from the street. How dare you drag my name in the dirt and cheat. Victor Vaughn in the house. <laughs> yeah, and now, am I correct in saying that this is like about cheating and relationships and stuff like that? And Victor Vaughn calls up Doom and warns him about cheating on his girlfriend so no, Victor Vaughn phones his girlfriend and chews her out for cheating on him with I, him yeah sorry <laughs> so I guess you're kind of dissing this is like a diss of yourself on an album which is yeah. cool. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird to see his personas interact in that way because that one of them's totally absent and it's just it's really clever it's it's you can see the difference between Victor Vaughn and Doom here because the, the it's a lot more straight ahead there's not a lot of playfulness and yeah. what he's saying it's a lot more angry and explicit but there's a lot of cool uh, wordplay going on as well and dense imagery which is nice Mark editor's note here uh, am I overthinking this or do we have to specify that choose a route is quite different for similar scenes in Scottish parlance uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> I just think we're maybe taking a wee bit too much for granted there so basically gives her a scolding or a row yeah <laughs> right yeah, nothing more um, intense than that. Yeah, <laughs> and the samples, is, the sample on it from Adlib's got is cool. It's got a really soul like beat. Juxtaposition between the actual theme of the song and. The, the, the chaos or the angry the anger of Victor Vaughn. Yeah, so you may have noticed when you're listening through his discography that on the second half of every single one of Doom's well, the albums that he produces or that he's worked on directly, there's always a song with a female artist on it in the second half, whether it's a, mm-hmm. a vocalist or a rapper. I mean, this is a, this is that one. So and it's uh, I e- yeah E Y E. Yeah, so Doom isn't on this. It's a, it's got a sample but from a song called "So Good" by The Whispers. Um, I love, I just, I love the way the vocals produced in this man. It's got a massive delay on it, and the bass is just really deep, and fucking soulful, man. I think, I think this song sounds great. Yeah, and it flows so well in a supervillain theme like next as well. Yeah, works really well, um, and I think the singer is Stacey Epps. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, no, it sounds fucking great. And then we get the the the, uh, the super villain theme, as you said, which that fe- kind of rules. I like yeah. this. Ah, it's a yeah. total banger. Who'd have thunk it? It's very outdoorsy feeling as well. It feels like the album should kind of end here. Uh, I could I could imagine Pixies doing it. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, it, uh, maybe maybe I'm exaggerating, but it does have a slightly more indie-ish uh, feel to it. Yeah, for sure, it does. And then you've got All Caps, which is another single from this album. You know it won't stick, yo, and it's not his fault to kick slow. Should've let your trick hold, chick holds a sick glow. Plus nobody couldn't do nothing once he let the brick go. And you know I know, that's a bunch of snow. The beat is so butter, peep the slow cutter as he uttered a call. Yeah, yeah, All Caps, when you spell the man's name. Mm-hmm. This is actually about why you shouldn't fight them, because um, he's a king. Mm. <laughs> it's got it's a pretty cool music video as well, deep. actually. Yeah. I love the piano sample. It's mental. It's just yeah. dark and twisted. It's really cool. Yeah. It's like it's been put through a radio and then re-recorded again. And then Great Day, which is apparently that was freestyle from Doom. To get some fresh air like a stray on a straightaway. Hey you, got a light now, a bud light. Early in the morning, face crud from like a mud fight. Looky here, it's just the way the cookie tear. Prepare to get hurt and mangle like Kurt Angle. Looky here, the rocket scientist with the pocket. That Kurt Angle reference, which, which I love. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. could tell that you guys were going to be, oh. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not more wrestling references in here. You know, I can imagine the guys getting baked and watching wrestling. Maybe Mad Villainy 2 will be more dependent on the wrestling. Yeah. There's a nice little callback here where he talks about some may even so there's a line early on I think it's an accordion where he says some may some say he may even need a psychiatrist but he says some say he may even need some puss psychiatrist and it's just a little fun little bit of wordplay that's a nice callback to earlier on the record which just made me laugh every single time I hear it and it ends with Rice Dog Cowboy which is literally like an encore you've got people clapping and all that and it's like oh no you're too much stop 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 applauding smashing in a fashion that's timely mad villain dashing in a beat rhyme crime spree we rock the house like rock and roll got more soul than a sock with a hole set the stage with a goal to have the game locked in a cage getting shocked with a pole yeah um, it's just fun it's kind of improv and nice yeah man it's a fun fucking album you can see why it was so influential you know, from from the from the beats and the, and, and the production and, and and the rhymes, all of it, man, it's just had such a lasting impact, such a huge legacy has come out yeah. the back of this album. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's got like this jazz feel that doesn't wear itself out throughout. Like the production is amazing, Doom's rapping is just great. Like the whole record's chilled out, but still feels vital somehow. Like it's fresh and laid back not, and not trying hard but still totally on point um, and I was thinking in terms of hip hop records that we've done before and what have the three of us all liked and I guess like like nice real live drum sounds and samples an organic feel like non-quantized um, you know it's not all just rigid as fuck great flow to you know the rapping obviously fun intelligent lyrics that aren't necessarily just up their own arse yeah and it takes all those boxes for me, I think it goes in, but I think now that we've done it after MF Doom's sad passing, I'm not entirely sure if it can be classed as unsung anymore. Well, yeah, it's interesting. This is the first one. This is like the first album that we've done because an artist has died. And I guess, yeah, you don't know what, you don't know who's going to come to your funeral until, you know, you're dead. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't know what your legacy is until you've stopped making music. And I guess, um, after he died, people realised how fucking big a deal he was. But I think it, maybe to kind of cut through the noise, I would say that this guy's kind of affectionately known by many as your favourite rapper's favourite rapper. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, unanimously hailed as his best work. Yeah. It's yeah, magnum opus, album, yeah. Yeah, this, this album didn't go gold, did it? 
Yeah. No, no. Like I said, so, it only just went silver in the UK, like after he died. Yeah. So I mean, it's probably safe to say that it's unsung on on those terms. Chris, did you enjoy it? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first time we're seeing Nexus tonight. Will it be the last? What do they have in store for us? Why am I here? You're in the Nexus. This is the Nexus. For you, this is what you want. Cool. All right. Let's go to the Nexus, I guess, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mark, you're up with the Nexus. (laughs) Okay, cool. Mine's just dead quick, because I'll let you guys go on to the the really good stuff. And who were we uh, connecting to and who chose it? Melanie Sykes Melanie Sykes 90s babe It was Lewis Holleran that chose it I think Hi Lewis Uh, Cool so Doom was on a song by the Avalanches alongside Danny Brown called Frankie Sinatra Mm -hmm. That song actually samples Fix Up Look Sharp by Dizzy Rascal Uh, Oh does it? Quite I mean quite a lot of tunes have sampled that but I didn't realise that one did Some of them legally some of them not so legally (laughs) Uh, Dizzy (laughs) Dizzy Rascal was in a grime crew called Roll Deep with Tinchy Strider and Tinchy Strider was on the 14th series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out Here with Melanie Sykes. <laughs> Holy fuck, that was quick. <laughs> that was fucking quick. Did you, fucking hell, Mark. Uh, did you know see you had two? Yeah, I've got another one. So, um, it, 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 it's the same the same song. So that, that Frankie Sartre song, at the end of it, has got a sample of um, Favourite Things from The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that was written by Rogers and Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein also wrote Edelweiss. Well, they didn't they used Edelweiss in the sound of music. Like, he, they didn't write that traditional German song. Uh, hang on a minute. I just want to to to, to emphasise how impressive this is. Mark's actually doing this off the top of his head. I'm watching him right now, and he's not consulting notes. Yeah. Um. So in the late seventies, Des O'Connor. <laughs> the, the, the entertainer <laughs> there we go the entertainer uh, did a collaboration album <laughs> weird with another guy called Vince Gill and Vince Gill sang Edelweiss on that mm-hmm. album and uh, Des O'Connor did This Morning with Des and Mel oh this afternoon sorry good afternoon sorry good afternoon with Des and Mel and the Mel was Melanie Sykes yep wow uh, alright will I go next Chris uh, yeah, do you want to uh, was that guy, by the way, that Vince Gill guy, I'm pretty sure he joined the Eagles at some point. Really? Like, yeah, the kind of latter-day Eagles. Anyway, wow. so that's bullshit trivia for pensioners. Um, Dave, you go for, it. go for it. All right, well, so I remember we were talking about, like, how we put together our nexus, and I've what I've done is I've found a really good bit of trivia and then built from both sides to do it. that that's like that's, a new way of doing my, it rather than just my favorite to way yeah so um see if you can uh tell what the the, the <laughs> trivia is so yeah mf doom's famous mask uh later versions of his mask were based on a prop from 
the 2000 film Gladiator. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Gladiator. Uh, I was thinking I could go down the Russell Crowe because he was in that sh- ship. He's got, you know, shit band and stuff like that. But no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who was in Gladiator, uh, he, I think he won Best Actor uh, for his portrayal of Johnny Cash um, in Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Cash was like country legend um, and there's a duet of him and Hank Williams performing Waiting. They've done a lot of stuff together, like contemporaries. Um, Hank Williams 3... <laughs> Hank Williams the third. That Well, I, I like to call him Hank Williams 3 like he's a sequel. Why don't you just call him Hank Williams III? Well, <laughs> Shelton, Shelton Hank Williams, known as Hank Williams III and Hank 3... <laughs> is an American musician singer and yeah so he's a uh, grandson of the OG Hank Williams Hank Will- son of Hank Williams Jr and he appears I- I've never heard of this guy but he's like he's in a punk metal band called Ass Jack mm-hmm. he's the drummer he played with Helmet yeah I-, I didn't know this he played bass in Superjoint Ritual all these things and on Damn Right Rebel Proud he uh, sings the line this song is written and dedicated for Gigi Allen. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Gigi Allen, in Wigfield's mid-90s pop hit, Saturday Night, in the video where she is getting ready to go out dancing on a Saturday night, yeah. she picks up a photo of Gigi Allen and kisses it. <laughs> Off, really? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking legit. <laughs> well, we could. I think it's safe to say we know what the the kernel of like the the trivia was. Uh, that is amazing. That, that is, is amazing. A, that is amazing. Yeah, like it's so weird. I yeah, I should maybe check who appeared in like who directed that video or something or who was who was prop master. But uh, maybe so Wakefield's just, just really into scat punk. Let's know. just reiterate that for the listeners. In Wigfield's Saturday night video, she picks up a photo of Gigi Allen, the guy that used to shit and smear it on himself on stage and died in crazy circumstances. Fucking maniac. That's yeah. who she... And yeah, kisses that. a photo of him. And he's like wearing two party hats and he's covered in either blood or poo. <laughs> Probably <laughs> both. Why one? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Anyway, I mean, Wigfield... Um, she was obviously huge in the 90s off that total banger and uh, appeared on a lot of TV shows one of which was Fully Booked do you remember Fully Booked? it was like the Scottish summer version of Live and Kicking oh yeah so whenever Jamie Theakston and Zoe Ball took like 12 weeks off Fully Booked uh, was based in like some fake hotel and it was filmed in Glasgow Grant Stott was like the presenter and uh, yeah, so Wigfield appeared in Fully Booked, as did. Yeah, that's the photo. Oh, uh, Chris has found it. Um, many celebrities appeared on uh, Fully Booked, one of whom was Donna Eyre. Uh, mm-hmm. She was the Geordie woman. Uh, P. Geordie. She was in Biker Grove. Did she go out with Ann or PJ or Duncan? I can't remember in Biker Grove. Anyway, she was also a presenter of The Big Breakfast, the. Uh, 90s cultural phenomenon and Channel 4 breakfast show of whom Melanie Sykes was also a presenter later on there you go hmm. good work wow. good work I mean that that 
simply because of that G.G. Allen factoid, which it does turn out is true, because I just looked it up as you were doing that, uh, that that's going to be a contender for best nexus of the year, and we're only in the fucking third week of January. Thanks. Um, I'm happy with my new uh, my new format. That was superb. Uh, one slight factual correction. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was uh, nominated as Best Actor. He oh, didn't did he win not it. win it? Oh. Reese Witherspoon won Best Actress. But she, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. She yeah, was yeah, in, sorry. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, I was thinking, just, she wasn't in Gladiator, just, but no, yeah. yeah no, no. Just cause I was like, I, I don't remember him getting it for that. Uh, I would have thought it would have been a strange role for him to get it for anyway. Um, okay, M.F. Doom, uh, at one stage in his life, followed the teachings of a guy called Malachi Z. York. By the way... We're going to find out a bit more about this guy. Malachi Z. York's real name? Dwight York. Is it really? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Uh, Malachi Z. York uh, was a leader of the New Albion movement. He uh, is also currently serving 135 years in jail for 197 ch- <laughs> counts of child molestation. Um, so, the New Albion movement um, start, like, it's it, basically it's a uh, it's an American religious movement. Uh, MF Doom was kind of a follower of it, although in later years he kind of drifted away from it a bit, but it continued to play a part. He went back to like certain services. Um, basically, uh, Dwight York, Malachi Z. York, started uh, a number of black kind of Muslim groups in the 60s in New York City. He eventually sort of left Muslim theology and, and started to incorporate other aspects of, of different like religions and his, his beliefs such as uh, Kemetism which is sort of Egyptian theology uh, and even through like UFO mysticism the Afro, Afrofuturism cryptozoology a lot of conspiracism that was you know uh, and just went hand in hand with a lot of the Afrofuturism at the time uh, eventually he moved to Georgia and in Georgia he built a, a compound really called Tamare which I think is an Egyptian phrase. That's uh, familiar. And uh, the, the, this movement became known as the United Nawabian Nation of Moors. Um, as I say, it, it pulled bits out of Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Egyptian religions, UFOs, esotericism. It used, uh, I mean, it was quite influential for a, for a while. It, it, the local community in Georgia weren't big fans of it. They basically had this sort of <laughs> religious compound of people that some of whom had been quite militant in their beliefs at certain times. Georgia isn't the most racially tolerant state in the, in the 70s uh, and 80s. And they had this giant fucking compound of sort of religious extremist uh, people of colour. Uh, and they, they weren't delighted about it. So... Um, uh, Malachi Z. York and, and the Nawabian movement used some of their uh, influence to make appeals to like national level black advocates to push back against the the, the, the surrounding community. Now, as I said, he's, he he is facing a lot of charges of of uh, child molestation. A lot of charges, 197 of them. Um, a lot of the community around them, um, and to this day, some uh, especially some uh, black civic leaders. I still claim it was a conspiracy against him, a bit like R. Kelly. It's one of those kind of eye-roll moments. And in fairness, he managed to sort of persuade some fairly influential people to get involved in it when it seemed a little bit more harmless. Um, they also tried to run candidates to for Republican seats and local sheriffs. And uh, York also worked under the moniker Dr. York in New York City producing music. 
And at that time, the Nawabi movement actually permeated the, the work of a lot of musicians in New York. It was quite influential, and obviously people like MF Doom f- fell under that. Um, he he had written stuff on the side as well, extensively, about many other aspects of religious uh, groups that were sort of a, a concurrent with them, let's say, uh, including the 5% Nation. Uh, the 5% Nation, also known as Nations of Gods and Earths, was started by Clarence Edward Smith, also known as Clarence 13X, uh, who later, um, I think, quite modestly just titled himself Allah. <laughs> um, he he at one point actually in, in New York had preached from the, the same pulpit as Malcolm X. Um, the, the 5% Nation uh, taught black people, black community, that they were the original chosen people of God. Um, I think we're all kind of familiar with that. Um, the new Israelites and all that kind of movement. Um, one of the interesting quirks of the 5% Nation is that they renamed, amongst their own community, they renamed a lot of American cities. Uh, just to give you some of those, uh, Harlem was renamed Mecca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Brooklyn was renamed Medina. Uh, Detroit was renamed D Mecca. <laughs> 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 it's a little bit gangster. Uh, new Jersey, this is a good one, renamed New Jerusalem. Mm. There you go. Don't have to change the initials, but it's a little bit of a claim because I've been to New Jersey. It's, no, it's not the promised land. <laughs> uh, St. Louis was, was renamed Saudi. Sure, that went down well. <laughs> uh, Dallas, this probably went down even worse, was renamed Sudan, which <laughs> <laughs> just sounds like more like a diss. Uh, Connecticut, optimistically, was renamed New Heaven. <laughs> and again, no, it doesn't quite live up to that. And Milwaukee was renamed, and I have no idea why, because it's totally <laughs> incongruous, uh, Cream City. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, the 5% Nation teachings were influential on a lot of musicians. LL Cool J was a big uh, big fan, Ghostface Killer and Raekwon uh, from Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Gravediggers. Uh, Jay-Z was actually a bit of an acolyte. Erica Badu was a prominent uh, follower of them and her, her quite famous single On and On, the lyrics are actually about uh, the beliefs of the 5% uh, 5% na- uh, nation Um, also Nas uh, now uh, Erica Badu and Nas actually collaborated on a track called uh, This Bitter Land from a film in a 2016 film called The Land now Nas who uh, we've mentioned earlier in this was uh, one, in 2018, snapped uh, by the paparazzi in Las Vegas hanging out at uh, the Casamigos Halloween party uh, Casamigos uh, I don't know if you're aware, is a tequila uh, the, the company was founded by George Clooney and Rand Gerber in 2013 and it was actually sold only four years later to Diageo for $700 million Fucking plus, plus an, an additional $300 million uh, per, uh, based on performance um, Rand Gerber aside from being a very astute tequila salesman is married to Cindy Crawford uh, Cindy Crawford uh, uh, in the late 90s was invited to lunch at Kensington Palace. Met the whole family. Excuse me, just had a sneeze. Allergic <laughs> to the... Is that you're allergic to any mention of the royal family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how creepy... Right, oh. Get how creepy this is. We're almost there. Get how creepy this is. Cindy Crawford was invited to Kensington Palace because 13-year-old Prince William fancied her. 
<laughs> right. Well, I mean, at least it's the other way around. At least it's not a prince of elder years inviting thirteen-year-olds around. So you know, it's that's true. Well, they've they've ticked that box as well. But I mean, I, I think it's really fascinating just how icky is it to think of like you know you're a wee boy and you're looking at a newspaper and you fancy like you know you Donna Air or I don't know. Fucking Mel Sykes, <laughs> Mel Sykes, yeah. And so you, you, your family arrange for her to be like obligated to come round to dinner, <laughs> so that you can sit with your wee kiddie boner under the table, staring at her, <laughs> waiting to like get lustily trapped in a room alone with her. And just anyway, I think that's gross as fuck. Um, Prince William, <laughs> Prince William, with his wee uh, lusty boner. There's a, there's actually a fringe conspiracy theory, right? That says that uh, Osama bin Laden died of renal failure in 2011, and the USA, the, I'll tie this in, and the USA froze him, right? <laughs> so that they could keep him on ice to then stage the killing at a later date, so that, <laughs> first of all, so that Obama could damage the ratings for the Celebrity Apprentice finale in 2013 as a fuck you to Donald Trump, and also. So they could avoid clashing with the ratings for William and Kate's wedding. Uh, now, Osama bin Laden, in the controversial and largely bullshit film for 2006, The Path to 9-11, which featured Harvey Keitel, a key CIA agent in that film was uh, played by an actor called Daniel Caltagirone. Oh, and I know Dan- where you're going. And Daniel Caltagirone is the ex-husband of Melanie Sykes. Oh, great work. Fantastic work. Ticked a lot of boxes there. Yeah. I had a lot of making up to do, guys. <laughs> So well, it's been fun. So what we need to do is like uh, something a bit special next week. Something that we've been uh, keeping dry for a special occasion. Yep. Uh, it's my choice. Yep. We are going to pull the trigger on Faith No More. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pull the trigger on the album King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. Which Controversial. I have no problem making a case for. Well, uh, you're going to have to. <laughs> and to nexus to that courtesy of Mr. Tommy Smith we have Walt Whitman okay yeah that's cool yeah, that's cool shouldn't be too bad um, alright how do people go and vote and uh, decide whether uh, Mad Villainy should be in or not Twitter, Mark. Twitter. it's on our Twitter, Twitter now Twitter. isn't it <laughs> yeah so yeah, twitter.com slash unsung pod since they took down our QAnon posts we're getting the fuck off of Facebook Starting a new group. Do you think we can get banned by Twitter by the end of 2021? David, I could get us banned by Twitter by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not that, That's why I'm the guy that's not allowed to handle our socials. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. All right. Um, well, that's been a pleasure. Been awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much, folks, for persevering. You're welcome. See you next week. Oh, I thought you meant me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Peace out, Chris. <laughs>